It's not just good conversation, it's your voice on the weekends. Weekends with Kenny Rahmeyer on News Radio KLBJ. Glad to actually be on with Kenny for the first time. I don't usually call in, but kudos on your uh, train of thought there and the issues and news you bring up. Well, hello, Kenny. I admire what you do. Great show. Come on, talk to me. What's going on? What's going on? And good afternoon to you. Thanks a lot for being with us on the weekends here on News Radio KLBJ. Kenny Rahmeyer with you live and local this afternoon. Boy, a lot of things to cover with you today. So let's get right to it. Let's get to all the news that we can talk about this hour right here on KLBJ. Of course, all the latest developments from the Mideast this afternoon, including President Biden telling 60 Minutes this evening that the United States can and will support Israel and Ukraine, both at the same time. And to that point, his administration is reportedly thinking about a financial aid package for both countries to send to Congress for its approval. In the meantime, the U.S. House of Representatives couldn't do anything with a request for a bill from the president if they wanted to. Because tomorrow will be another week, beginning with no Republican Speaker of the House. All the latest on that big story for you as well. We'll have some immigration news. How about this? EV sales aren't exactly hitting the marks for the big car companies. And the latest on that for you. And a whole lot more this afternoon, of course, along with your phone calls and your text messages as always, at 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. So you probably heard the State Department's reporting now the death toll numbers of Americans in that Israeli-Hamas conflict. Now 29 confirmed dead. That from NBC News. And about 15 unaccounted for Americans that it has knowledge of. That's so far. Now, I mentioned that the president already has recorded an interview for 60 Minutes this evening, and among other things, he says the United States has an obligation to defend the sovereignty of not only Israel, but Ukraine as well. Here's a little bit of that interview with uh, Scott Pelley on CBS this evening. Cut seven, Garrett. Are the wars in Israel and Ukraine more than the United States can take on at the no, same time? We're the United States of America, for God's sake. The most powerful nation in the history, not in the world, in the history of the world. The history of the world. We can take care of both of these and still maintain our overall international defense. We have the capacity to do this, and we have an obligation to. We are the essential nation, as to to Paris, France, the former Secretary of State. And if if we don't, who does? If we don't, who does? I I think uh, I kind of raised the question on last week's show. Is this what it's going to come down to? Will the American people support 
a lot of financial aid, of military assistance, and all the rest going to both countries. We know the country certainly split on Ukraine. I've got some poll numbers that show a vast majority of people supporting what's going on in Israel right now. So we will, we will talk about that a little bit later. I mentioned a financial aid package that is being put together by the administration. The National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, was talking about that on the Sunday TV news shows today. Cut four, Garrett. And the president has made clear that he is going to go to Congress with a package of funding for Ukraine, as well as continued support for Israel. You can expect intensive engagement with Congress this very week as we work uh, on such a package and seek to secure bipartisan support for it. And then in that 60 Minutes interview, the president was emphatic in saying that the United States is working like hell. That's a quote to find Americans that are being held hostage by the Hamas militants in Gaza. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby was on Fox News today. He said he wouldn't rule out any U.S. troops being deployed on the ground to free those hostages that are caught up in all of this. And the um, National Security Advisor uh, Sullivan had some things to say about that as well. Cut two. Our goal is to ensure that every American who is in Gaza has safe passage out and we will not rest until that happens. We are actively trying to find out exactly where they are. I mean, Shannon, we don't even know how many exactly. We saw a small handful we know, but there could be more than we know. They could be in different groups. They could be moved around. And there's a lot of moving around going on. The uh, State Department has continued to call for any American citizens to continue to make their way south, hoping to get over into Egypt. It's being reported this afternoon that Egypt's coming under intense pressure to allow any and all refugees to cross the border and get away from the Israeli bombing campaign and and the expected ground invasion. This specifically is this Rafah border crossing, the southern end of the Gaza Strip. It's the only land crossing in Gaza that Israel doesn't control. According to a preliminary plan drafted by the State Department, the United States citizens would be the first to get into Egypt, followed by American dual nationals and in other Western nationalities and then UN and other aid workers, and then finally employees of international companies. But here's the thing, Egypt is not exactly playing ball here. Egypt's given a, a twofold explanation for why they're not supporting that plan. Number one, they say they couldn't ensure that Hamas would allow people to leave. We've heard reports that Hamas is not allowing people to leave. And Egypt says the damage to the crossing would make it challenging to process the hundreds of potential evacuees, that according to U.S. officials. And so Americans are saying that they're stranded in Gaza despite this proposal, this deal that they're trying to strike between the United States, Israel, and Egypt. So this whole thing is, is trying to be brokered amongst the three countries here. 
Still not clear, as I mentioned, whether Hamas would even allow the movement of U.S. citizens or other foreigners to that border crossing into Egypt. And so that's still a big issue this afternoon. 512-836-0590. You can give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. Aside from some pushback from Egypt, Secretary of State Blinken is is really trying to do what he's supposed to do, which is a lot of diplomatic work. And, And he's getting a lot of resistance, not only from Egypt, but from other countries in the Arab world, the United uh, Emirates, and and also uh, Saudi Arabia. In fact, he was uh, Blinken was supposed to have a meeting with the uh, Saudi uh, ruler, Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Kept Blinken waiting for several hours. Supposed to happen in the evening, and then the crown prince blew it off totally, and didn't show up until the next morning. And so the crisis continues in the Gaza Strip. Medics in Gaza warning today thousands of people could die. Hospitals are packed with wounded people. They're running uh, desperately low on fuel, basic supplies. And, And, of course, Israel has cut off virtually everything, electricity, water, and all the rest. The Biden administration told Israel that you can't tell the Palestinian people to evacuate to southern Gaza without allowing them to at least have water. And so it's reported that Israel has resumed the water supply to the south, the, the southeastern uh, part of the Gaza Strip. Now here's where it's uh, really getting more complicated and, and much more troublesome. As Iran's foreign minister was suggesting today that Iran's not going to be able to, quote, remain a spectator, end quote. And that's uh, just as United States officials are publicly and privately warning Iran not to get in this thing, which would only worsen the conflict. Both uh, National Security Advisor Sullivan and Secretary of State Blinken were, were talking about that today. In addition to the U.S. sending a second aircraft carrier group, the USS Eisenhower, into the region to join the USS Gerald R. Ford in the eastern Mediterranean, here's Sullivan and Blinken talking about preparing for Iran and the addition of the carrier groups and, and why they're there. Cut three. We can't rule out that Iran would choose to get directly engaged some way. We have to prepare for every possible contingency. That's not meant as a provocation. It's meant as a deterrent. It's meant to make clear that no one should do anything that could add fuel to the fire in in any other place. Texas Congressman Michael McCall was on Fox News today, and he was talking about the challenges of and the dangers uh, trying to contain this and the reasons why it's imperative that it, it be contained uh, as best we can. Cut number six. It's getting uh, very dangerous. I think the concern, Maria, is an escalation beyond the Gaza Strip. Right now we're trying to contain it, uh, trying to get the uh, innocent uh, civilians south towards Egypt and open up uh, Egypt so they can go in. You know, Hezbollah has 100,000 rockets that could overload the Iron Dome 
itself in Israel. We do not want that two-front war. Um, and so that, that is a great concern. In addition to ISIS in Syria and Iran-backed uh, militias in Iraq, and, and the Taliban is making noise about coming in as well. We don't want a global jihad in Jerusalem. 512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. We're just getting started. Lots to talk about. And we come right back. Some more comments from Congressman Michael McCall about the dangers associated with this thing spiraling out of control, especially when you talk about the likes of Russia and China, Iran, and so many others starting to poke their nose in this thing in a bad way. So we'll talk about that. The latest on the U.S. House of Representatives and and the spectacle that is the Republicans not able to do anything on getting a new speaker. All that and a lot more coming up here on KLBJ. Hey, Kenny Rollmeyer back with you on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks a lot for being with us live and local for you on the weekends here on News Radio KLBJ, giving you all the latest on the developments from the Mideast, the Israeli-Hamas conflict, and, and the hope among so many that that's the extent of it between Israel and Hamas. Congressman Michael McCall from Texas was on Fox News today talking about, and he'd just been uh, briefed as the uh, chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the House. He had just been briefed on all the latest developments on this from the U.S. government's perspective, sharing some of that news today. And he talked about how complicated and dangerous this whole situation could become. Number eight. Committees charged with war and peace. My committee has the power to declare war or issue an authorized use of military force. We don't want to do that. But if this escalates, that's what worries me the most. Tell me what you're referring to. Are you saying that the United States will have to get involved? Well, if we want to stop, say, Israel from obliterating Iran, uh, yes. And that would be a question for the American people. Uh, Do we want to get involved to defend Israel? Uh, Right now, we're just providing weapons and training. We're not involved we're not firing our, our, our missiles from our destroyer ships in the mediterranean uh, but the minute that happens it does trigger the war powers act and so uh, that's why we have to be so careful here and pray that it does not escalate to that level um, because uh, what would follow after that would be very um, bloody 512-836-0590 here on klbj i have some national polling data from CNN as to how some Americans are feeling about all this. You don't have to give us a poll. You can just give us a call. Send us a text here at 512-836-0590. The the latest CNN poll covers simply do you support Israel or not. It's, It's not getting into what about troops on the ground, more American involvement, and that sort of thing. Americans were surveyed in this CNN poll after the October 7th surprise attack by Hamas. A majority say that Israel's military response is justified. And nearly all Americans feel some level of sympathy for the Israeli people. You got to wonder how representative some of these polls are, especially when you see these kind of things. I saw this out of the San Francisco Chronicle. 
today. Thousands of people, where else, right? San Francisco, thousands of people marching for Palestinian rights. It was called an all-out-for-Gaza rally in San Francisco yesterday. 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. Republicans, at least those in Congress, seem more united on giving assistance to Israel, but divided over whether to continue to help Ukraine. Democrats, meanwhile, largely united on assisting Ukraine, somewhat more divided on supporting Israel. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the show, the Biden administration is trying to come up with some kind of aid package for those two countries, as well as some funding for the U.S. border. Don't know what that's going to consist of. And it's also being reported that some funding for our efforts to, uh, to help Taiwan would also be a part of, of this aid package. Administrations trying to figure out if they can tie all of that together. As I mentioned, it's going to have a hard time in the House because there's no speaker, which means virtually nothing can happen there. More on that in just a moment. Just last month, the House did pass a $300 million security assistance program to Ukraine. It had bipartisan support. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. If another aid package comes to Congress, and then what happens to it? After that, before we leave uh, the Mideast, a few other headlines for you here. First, the Israeli Defense Forces are saying they have killed two leading Hamas commanders who helped coordinate last week's attack on Israel near the Gaza Strip. And then, getting back to uh, Congressman McCall's comments about how dangerous and complicated this whole thing could be. It's being reported by Reuters this afternoon that Russian President Vladimir Putin is going to meet with China's President Xi Jinping this week. It's all about trying to deepen the partnership that they've been trying to forge over these past, what, couple of years or so. Apparently, Putin's going to attend a Belt and Road Forum in Beijing on October 17th and 18th. That's what, Tuesday and Wednesday, right? So that's a complication, and you got to know both Xi and and Putin are probably licking their chops at the prospects of, of what mayhem they could uh, fan the flames with, right, in terms of their efforts. It's reported that Beijing's trying to use all this violence between Israel and Hamas to gain more favor among the Arab states in the Mideast and see if, if he can get them to come around to supporting more of China's thinking and China's way of, of looking at the world these days. It's reported that Iran is helping Putin, as you know, in Ukraine. A lot of drones and so forth. The Biden administration's saying you, you can't continue this level of cooperation. And, and yet, 
That's a lot of talk from the administration. Little evidence that Putin or Xi are going to pay any attention to that at this point, right? I mean, what's, I think Putin's the one that said no limits on the partnership, right? With the Chinese Communist Party. The administration, of course, haven't seen much reporting on any additional efforts in terms of outreach to Iran, aside from some back-channel discussions about Iran supposedly being warned to stay out of this. We've certainly seen a lot of members of Congress that are saying that out on the Sunday TV news shows today. But it would seem that that 2015 multinational agreement to put the lid on Iran's ability to produce nuclear weapons, please tell me that thing is dead at this point, right? And then sadly, we know too that back home here, FBI Director Christopher Wray this weekend said that reported domestic threats have surged. He acknowledged there is an increase in threats due to the heightened environment. Nothing specific, just calling for vigilance and requesting police to share intelligence and their observations. A lot more coming up, a quick news break. Stay with us here on KLBJ. Kenny Romeyer back with you this afternoon on News Radio KLBJ, giving you all the latest on what's going on in the Middle East between the Israelis and Hamas. And before I move into one more story on that front and then move on to some other news today, Fox News reporting right now that the Israeli Defense Forces and Hezbollah are fighting at the Israeli-Lebanon border. That news breaking just moments ago. Uh, Before we get to some other news, I mentioned the Iran nuclear deal that the Biden administration has been working on so much these past few years, off and on certainly, but they'd still like to do it, apparently. Don't know if that's still where they're at 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 this point, given the developments of the last several days. But I do want to make sure that we're, we're getting some visibility to a, a new story that's related to that, that's getting very little attention overall. But uh, back to Congressman Michael McCall from Texas. He was talking about it on Fox News today, and I want to share some of his comments with you. This is about a guy still part of the Biden administration, even though he's, he's currently stepping aside or been asked to step aside because he's under investigation for the mishandling of very sensitive information as it pertains to his role and the point guy really in trying to help the Biden administration strike this nuclear deal with Iran. And McCall shed some light on some of the more troubling aspects of what this guy's alleged to have been up to, and the investigation is still ongoing. But here's some of Congressman Michael McCall talking about this Rob O'Malley. This is uh, cut eight, Garrett. This is what's said. It just, you can't make this kind of stuff up, Marie. I mean, this is our top negotiator to Iran. Uh, Mr. You know, our special envoy, uh, Mr. Malley. Um, he's now under investigation by the FBI for mishandling of classified information. Well, what did he do with that classified information? We don't know exactly yet, but we do know that he was in, you know, in talks and negotiations with Iran uh, over their nuclear weapons program. Uh, meanwhile, 
there's this independent think tank, the the um, the Iranian Expert Initiative, uh, and he was in association with this think tank that interfaced with the foreign minister of Iran again. And then one of these three associates is currently the chief of staff to the assistant secretary of defense for special operations at the Pentagon, who is a part of this independent think tank that interfaces with the foreign minister of Iran. This is getting a little too close and I'm getting a little too nervous with this coziness between Iran and, and this administration and State Department and Defense Department. I would view it as an infiltration or an opening of the gates of Iran into our government. All right. Well, none of that sounds good to me. The investigation is ongoing and we will continue to try to follow that story as much as possible as it's getting limited coverage from most media outlets. No surprise there, right? But we'll continue to try to stay on top of that as best we can and, and give you all the latest on where that investigation goes. 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ if you want to join us for any part of our discussion here this afternoon. Let's talk about what's going on. The spectacle that is the House Republicans and their inability to find a new Speaker of the House after McCarthy was booted out not that long ago. So it's being reported this weekend. CNN reports Republicans are no closer to electing a new speaker, that there are deep internal divisions in the Republican Party in the House. And so while Congressman Jim Jordan is the new speaker nominee, and reportedly he's been this weekend working the phones trying to make his case and attempting to flip any of the holdouts. Friday afternoon, roughly 55 Republican lawmakers said by secret ballot they would not support Congressman Jim Jordan. And so, as is reported, the challenge facing Jordan is that after several years here, many of his colleagues supposedly still don't trust him. A lot of them worry that he's going to um, steer the government into shutdowns, be a part of that group. Many are concerned about how he treated Congressman Steve Scalise. After Scalise, who was the House Majority Leader, won the nomination last Wednesday, but then he went down in flames, and then Jordan steps up, and is going to try to uh, smoke out the holdouts here. A public floor vote is scheduled for Tuesday at noon. That's the latest on this. A lot of House Republicans in talks, as I said, to block him from becoming Speaker. The one senior Republican House member who's part of the opposition telling CNN that he believes there are roughly 40 no votes as of this weekend. The Dallas Morning News is reporting that um, there's strong support now from some grassroots conservatives, and that's going to help Jordan win over a lot of his Republican critics. And yet the Dallas Morning News reports a lot of his opponents are standing firm, and, and with that, Democrats are now angling to try to have some role 
in all of this. Apparently, they've made overtures to some of the Republicans, a, a bipartisan solution, they're calling it. And among other things, it might be an attempt to further empower a, a caretaker speaker like Congressman McHenry, who was uh, the speaker pro tem at this point. Now, I've been reading this weekend that a lot of Republicans not interested in making that kind of deal. I heard one report, saw one report, a small group of moderate Democrats are trying to take the lead on all of this. And Congressman Mike Turner, a Republican, was talking about this today, as was the minority leader in the House, Hakeem Jeffries. And they both were saying, you know, well, may have to strike a deal like this, a bipartisan deal, if we can't come to some agreement. Here's Congressman Mike Turner and Hakeem Jeffries, cut one. If there is a need, if the radical, you know, almost just handful of people in the Republican side make it unable, make it us unable to be able to return to general work on the House, then I mm-hmm. think obviously there will a deal will have to be done. This is a very bad deal for America. It certainly was a bad deal for Hakeem Jeffries as he got all the Democrats to vote with less than, you know, the vote was less than 4% of Republican votes uh, to take down a speaker who was working for bipartisanship. It's going to be hard for them in the future when they want to work in bipartisanship when they fired the guy that was sitting there for doing so. It's time to end the Republican civil war so we can get back to doing the business of the American people. And we as House Democrats are committed to finding that bipartisan path forward in a meaningful way. 512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. What do you make of that? Wouldn't the Republicans just basically be abdicating their, their leadership position in the House, strike a deal with the Democrats, and yet... Some of you might be saying, yeah, well, come on, Kenny. These Republicans are getting nowhere fast. The administration's about to send a big aid package. Another government shutdown is looming in, what, mid-November or so. A lot of drama yet to come, apparently, with a, a vote scheduled for noon Tuesday in the House if Jim Jordan can become the new speaker. That's the latest on that. I want to stick with politics here for a moment. Some polling out this weekend. 78% of U.S. adults believe the country's trending in the wrong direction. Only 21% said the United States is headed in the right direction. And some really interesting developments with respect to the presidential race. Of course, it appears to be Biden on the Democrat side. appears to be Trump on the Republican side, but interestingly, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., of course, announced to run for president as an independent, and I think the uh, the Green candidate, Cornell West, has jumped in as an independent as well, right? And so a lot of a lot of news about a potential three three way race between Biden, Trump, and whomever. And if you take a look at, at some of the polling, a Fox News poll shows in a three-way race, Trump, Biden, and Kennedy. Biden and Trump tie at 41%. Kennedy gets 16% of that vote. 
That's one poll, Fox News poll, just on the heels of RFK's Junior's uh, announcement last week. Your thoughts on that? 512-836-0590. I think it's Charles on KLBJ. Hi, Charles. Hi, Kenny. I missed you all summer. Where were you, by the way? Just real quick. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What was that? I missed you all summer. I kept tuning in on Sunday at this time, and you weren't there. What was going on with that? Well, thank you for asking. I... um, I was on medical leave. How about that? Let's just say that. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad you're back. Thank um, you very much. What are your thoughts on uh, on RFK Jr. saying he's going to run as an independent in this early polling that shows he's he's taken away from both the Democrats and the Republicans? Well, I think he's taken away a lot more from the Democrats than he is from the Republicans. But um, the point I wanted to make was basically the same thing: the third party. The speakership thing in the House of Representatives is just another one of the fissures that is represented by Trump since he became a candidate in 2016. Trump has been a de facto third party since he's been there. The Republican Party, there's either the people like us who voted for him, who want him to succeed. And he had to take on not only the Obama White House, the Clinton mafia, academia, the media, the rhinos, the Republican establishment, the Bush family. I mean, you know, it, it, we're tired of the same old, same old. We're sick and tired of people like Speaker Boehner and, and Ryan and the candidates they keep throwing on us like uh, McCain and Romney. Trump, uh, is, the Republicans brought this on themselves. We're sick and tired of the same old, same old. And the same thing with the speakership. Thank God Pelosi's out of there. But we want some action. We don't want to return to what has come in the past. I mean, it goes back as far as Bob Dole versus Clinton in 96. I mean, we just, we're sick of it. We're sick of it. We're sick of it. So I'm hoping that, uh, unfortunately, it's really worth putting a really serious uh, pressure on us. But no matter what happens, I hope they don't make some mealy mouth deal to get some schlub elected. I mean, I like Jim Jordan. I like Scalise even better. But I hope they don't uh, turn into pretzels just to get the speakership, uh, <laughs> you know, and this, as far as bipartisanship. I don't want to be bipartisan with the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has gone so far left. They're so ridiculous. I mean, honest to God. Charles, let me ask you this here. I I understand your points, and and I'd like to just a couple of things. You talk about, I mentioned the drama in the House of Representatives, and and it appears unabated so far. I'm not sure if anything's going to materialize in this vote on Tuesday have no idea how successful Jordan and some of his allies have been in trying to win over votes, but the uh, nobody should be thankful for anything going on over in the Mideast at this point, but the House Republicans are benefiting from all of the headlines coming out of that part of the world because it's kind of sidelined the, the drama and the spectacle that they have become in the House here as of well, late. But just let me ask you this, is- as you were talking about... Uh, former President Trump and how disappointed you are with with, uh, his efforts uh, against all of the opposition that he's received from both sides and and all the rest. Do you wish that, if he's making a run for it, do you wish that he would have run as an independent instead of as a Republican? Would that have been satisfying to you at all and and a lot of those that that feel the way you do? I, I told my wife the minute Trump was inaugurated. He should have announced right then and right there he was no longer Republican. He was a third party. He should have, because in, in fact he was. But of course he didn't, and that, that bridge has uh, already been crossed. So there's 
can't go back in time. But he's still a de facto third party. It's hard to fight the Democrat establishment when you're fighting everybody behind your back, too. It's supposed to be supporting you. The, the Republican. How many times do we elect Republicans and then they go ahead and agree with the Democrats? They, they just fold on every issue. Well, so, Charles, but, where do you let me just ask as we're going to wrap up here. Where do you see things going to the extent that you've got RFK Jr., Cornell West as uh, independents now? It appears it's Biden and Trump. And then you've got the no labels group, former Senator Joe Lieberman, a former vice president candidate as well. Right. I mean, he he wrote an op ed piece right before the end of the week talking about the no labels organization and all the polling that they've done. They believe if they could put together the right kind of moderate independent ticket, it would pull equally from both parties. And their strong support, they claim, amongst the American people, you've seen some of the polls, 60-some, 70% are open to a third party. About the same number doesn't want either Trump or Biden. So where do you see this thing going between now and November next year? I think what you just said there, that Lieberman stuff, it just reinforces my point. Trump is already a third party. He already has been a third party. This started with Ross Perot back in the 90s. It's the tip of the iceberg. Trump represents the antithesis of everything that's wrong with Washington. And I, of course, as a human being, he's got so many faults, I can't begin to list them all. Well, Charles, thanks. And we're up against a break, so no time for that. I appreciate your call. Thanks for asking about what's going on with me. Glad to be back. And you mentioned... Ross Perot back in 92. Interesting, he pulled equally from both parties. I think he's about the only one ever to really pull that off in a significant way. Okay, lots more to come. 512-836-0590. The president, just this weekend, he stumbled up the steps at one appearance and then when he was ready to get off stage, he turned the wrong way, and the First Lady had to come out and steer him in the right direction. We'll talk about it coming up here on KLBJ. And Kenny Rahlmeyer back with you this afternoon, live and local on a Sunday afternoon. Glad to have you with us on KLBJ. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, the president was in Philadelphia on Friday. What is his fifth trip there? Interesting. He he only goes to a, a few different locations, it seems. I guess Philadelphia is just a, a short hop in Air Force One or whatever, right? Not enough time even for him to fall asleep so he can get there and make his little speech. Didn't get a lot of coverage, but as he was there in Philadelphia to make that speech, he was going up a short flight of stairs, and, yep, he lost his balance. Looked very awkward, kind of stumbled a little bit. He recovered and made it up the stairs, but another stumble from our current commander-in-chief. And then, this was, I guess, yesterday at a human rights campaign dinner. The president's there speaking. Uh, he gives his little speech and is, is ready to make an exit. He turned to the right, and then the first lady came up, touched his arm and said, no, you go in the opposite direction there, Mr. President. Come this way. And just, just two other examples of so many. Does it give you any confidence this guy's commander-in-chief and in the hot seat now as the world gets more dangerous by the day? I'll tell you, I, I keep wondering if his 
of his campaign, two things. Number one, I, I wonder if they're going to just either get an escalator installed whenever he's got to go up steps or when he's coming out of Air Force One, right? Just where he doesn't have to you don't have to go up or down. Just step on the platform, Mr. President, and we'll take you there. Or if it's just a smaller platform that he's supposed to be speaking on, they'll just have some kind of little lift, you know, that'll just raise him up like a little mini elevator or something, just so he didn't have to climb stairs or come downstairs. It's sad to watch it. Then I wonder if the campaign is maybe negotiating, first of all, who knows there will be any debates, right? Charles is calling, and we're talking about maybe the no-labels uh, ticket there. We're talking about an independent ticket, Republicans, the Democrats. Who knows there's going to be debates. Hopefully there will be when the smoke clears. But I wonder, is the Biden team negotiating? You know how the campaigns always try to negotiate and and get maximum leverage for their candidates in these various Debates, And I would think the Biden administration is trying to say, okay, look, he'll participate, but we can't talk about the economy, too much risk of inflation discussion there. We can't talk about foreign policy for obvious reasons, Afghanistan, Ukraine, what's going on in Israel right now, really? You want to go there? Immigration? No, that's a non-starter. We're not going to talk about that one either. How about this? Could we have a debate and we just want to talk about climate change for about an hour and a half? I don't know. Makes me wonder. And then I see the likes of, was it Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski on their unwashable program on MSNBC in the mornings. Uh, she was, I, I guess this was late last week. Mika was talking about all the events in the Mideast and saying something to the effect now, Joe Biden is basically managing a conflict and an entire world order, and he's doing it with clarity and with context and with a sense of humanity. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm thinking, well, that's one of the reasons MSNBC's ratings have literally been tanking with respect to cable news uh, coverage of, of the war, Fox and, and CNN, just doing laps around... MSNBC at this point. I mentioned a little bit of immigration news. The Biden administration reopening a facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas, for housing migrant children who are coming into the country unaccompanied. You can imagine if, if Trump were doing something like this back in the day, right? The media would be all over it of how awful this is. And then the pressure relative to the border on the likes of Chicago here, Thursday, before the end of the week, Democratic U.S. Senators Durbin and Duckworth joined with 13 Illinois Democratic House members, a letter to the president saying, you got to do more for Chicago. The governor of Illinois, Pritzker, this new mayor there in uh, Chicago, Johnson, getting a lot of heat, a lot of political pressure from Democrat stronghold groups, ethnic groups, the racial blocks that they've controlled so much in the city of Chicago. So we'll continue to follow that story. I mentioned uh, the big push, of course, for EV sales, right, for the Biden administration. Whoa, Wall Street Journal reports, cold, hard reality, EV sales are growing 
but it slowed down from a year earlier and a lot of unsold inventory now starting to pile up for some of the major brands. And then, I don't know if you saw this, as we're supposed to be transitioning to more electric vehicles, the experts are warning that's going to be a challenge because the sheer volume of malfunctioning chargers that are out there and there's a severe shortage of highly skilled electricians to repair those chargers. Yet another wrinkle, another complication in that situation. And, and we're not a sports show, but I'm going to end with this. You heard the International Olympic Committee's going to have flag football in 2028. Have you heard this? The NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, saying, yeah, we're looking at the idea of hosting the Super Bowl in London, England. Tell me it ain't so. Come on. Enough with that. Hey, out of time for this afternoon. Thanks to executive producer Garrett. Thanks to you for listening. Latest in news coming up next here on KLBJ.